Did Adobe Flash crash an entire rail system? We'll find out on this week's episode of The Internet Says It's True. Hey there, and welcome back to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up, but it's really true. Part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. This is episode 169. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. I hope you had an amazing Thanksgiving. On our end, uh, well, we spent the holiday in the hospital. So, you know, sometimes the holidays are just about being where family is. And we've had our share of health issues in the family lately. But lots of people have reached out and expressed their support and love. And that means so much to Allie and I. So with that said, between the holiday and the hospital, it's a good week to revisit an older episode. Before we get into that, thank you so much and welcome to new Tizitors. We have Daniel S. and Marissa F. who joined up on Patreon. Uh, they'll be getting stickers in the mail. They also now have access to the videos and bonus material on Patreon. All you have to do is pledge as little as a dollar a month and you become a Tizitor. You can do that all on Patreon.com slash Michael Kent. I am once again asking for your financial support. It's Cyber Monday today, so I found an internet-based episode that I've never revisited. It was episode 39. It first aired back in May of 2021. And it's one of the few episodes I've done about a somewhat contemporary account. In fact, when we first did this episode, it was very contemporary. This is something that happened very recently, and it's a pretty funny story. So, you know what? Let's get on with it. Get on with it. Yes! Get on with it! Now it needs a name. How about Trogdor the Burninator? Firstly, if you weren't an internet user in the early 2000s, you really missed out on the best part of Flash. I'll try to tell this story without making it super boring for the people who aren't into internet programming stuff. I'm not. I'm just familiar with Flash because all of the internet media it created. Around the time I was in college, there was a huge internet phenomenon. One of the first internet-based regular cartoons, it was called Homestar Runner. Dear Strongman, why doesn't Homestar ever wear pants? It's kind of creepy how he walks around with no pants on all the time. Anyway, hobbly blah, 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 blue, I don't care, just get him some pants. Homestar Runner was a comedy series made by Mike and Matt Chapman, and it starred this main character, Strongbad. He was based on a character from an obscure wrestling computer game, he would basically just answer people's mail and it was always something funny. They were short form animated videos and some of the first viral content. They continue producing videos to this day, but they really saw their heyday in the early 2000s. Here I go once again with the email. Every week I hope that it's from a female. Oh man, not from a female. Hey strong man, can you draw a dragon? I want to see your skills of an artist. The Strong Bad cartoons on Homestar Runner were Flash-based animations. Flash is this file format and platform that was used to create simple animations. They were known for being able to use very small file sizes and load quickly in the early days of the internet when internet speeds were just a fraction of what we have today. Most of them just played when a video was loaded, but some were made to be interactive such as the popular frog in a blender flash animation where you see a frog swimming in water in a blender and you have the option to press the button to turn the blender on. Frog in a blender has hundreds of millions of views since its release in 1999. It was the popular choice for web-based games like online casinos. One of my favorite flash-based websites was called You're the Man Now Dog 
which was just a site where people could upload their own full-page Flash animations that were always loud, bright, flashing, and put into a never-ending loop. That website still exists, by the way. Their most popular page was just a recording from a radio show called How to Prank a Telemarketer. Yes, can I speak with Tom Maid? Who's calling? So this is Mike with You've been selected to receive a complete digital satellite system for free. With this, you're going to... Oh, let, let me ask you something. Did, did you know Tom Maid? Were you a friend of his? No, I'm not. I'm just calling to... Uh, hold, 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 hold that thought. Hold on one second, all right? Hey, guys, get really good pictures of the body. Yeah, and dust everything down for prints. <laughs> Mike, you there? Yeah. Let me bring you up the speed. You've actually called a murder scene. Uh, Mr. Mabe is no longer with us. <laughs> it seemed like at the time, everyone I knew had heard that prank call. Even YouTube was powered by Flash until about six years ago. Videos were converted to Flash because it was a way to compress information into something that loaded very quickly. But it's much more than animation. It was a software platform that was used in desktop and mobile apps, games, and apparently some public utilities. That brings us to the train system of Dalian in the northern part of China. They built their train system to operate using Flash. So when Adobe announced it was discontinuing Flash, there were a few places where that might have an effect. This train system was one of them, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. I'm John DeSando, host of Backtalk. This podcast is an extension of the long-running, award-winning movie review show, It's Movie Time. Backtalk features additional content and banter with guests about new movies. If you want more insight and information about what's playing now in theaters and online, find Backtalk at the WCBE podcast experience on wcbe.org. You'll be happy you did. I've got to tell you about this new advertiser with the show, and it may be a company that you've never heard of before. We are in the perfect time of year for this. Each year, people get their holiday decorations out, and inevitably, they can't find the one thing that they want to put out. Smart Labels helps you catalog all the stuff you are putting into storage containers so that when you go to find everything again, it is as simple as uh, just a quick search in the app. And it's not just good for use at home. It's called Smart Labels, and basically, if you have a company with inventory, they are making the management of that inventory as simple and affordable as it can be. So this is perfect for small business owners. Here's basically how it works. You buy that Smart Labels QR code stickers on Amazon, right? And then the stickers come, you put one on one of your containers or even like on a shelf, you download the Smart Labels app on your mobile device, and all you have to do is scan the code. The app creates a digital container for you. Then you can just write down all the information about the items that you're cataloging. And then you just take a picture, put that on the, the file. Super easy to do. You'll have all your inventory easily searchable right in the palm of your hand. And a sticker pack only costs $16. The subscription, this is amazing, $30 a year. You can't beat that. So. If you even if you just want to be super super organized uh, at home or maybe in your garage, uh, but this is like really perfect for small business. Get your smart labels stickers on Amazon today. Once again, they are called smart labels. You're gonna want to check them out. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but 
Unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. Let's get back to this week's show. Dalian, China is located on a peninsula just northwest of North Korea. It's not a city I've ever heard of before, but with a population of 6.6 million people, it's bigger than every American city except for New York City. For reference, this one Chinese city has about the same number of people as the entire state of Indiana. And the China Railway Shenyang Group in China is hugely important for getting people around. When it was constructed in 1903, the Dalian Railway System was one of the most advanced and largest in China. And this railway was using flash-based displays in its control rooms. The software used flash to view train operation diagrams, formulate train sequencing schedules, and arrange shunting plans. I didn't know what shunting was, so I googled that. Shunting is the process of sorting items of rolling stock into complete trains. In the US, we call it switching. So basically, it's the way train cars are compiled into a train. Anyway, at 8 p.m. on January 12th of 2021, all of these systems stopped working because Adobe disabled Flash. Despite the name, the decision to disable it didn't happen in a flash. It might be the slowest obsolescence in software history. They announced in July of 2017 that they would be disabling Flash. Adobe acknowledged that it had served its purpose but wasn't needed anymore. More powerful open source platforms like HTML5 and CSS3 had made it weak by comparison. Not only that, a more efficient web standard was needed for the many platforms that web content needs to be displayed on. Tablets, phones, desktops, and train control panels, apparently. While they announced its demise in 2017, they waited quite a while to announce when that would be. Finally, last June, June of 2020, Adobe announced Flash's death date. It would no longer be supported after December 31st, 2020, and would completely stop working on January 12th of 2020. This was because if you had kept your Flash software up to date, they had built a kill switch into it. So starting on January 12th, if you tried to view anything in Flash, you'd see a message that said Adobe Flash Player is blocked. And so that's why at 8 p.m. that night, 8 a.m. here in Eastern Standard Time, on July 12th, the trains stopped running. All of the software to run them was inoperable. 
in the three and a half years since the announcement of the end of Flash, no one bothered with updating their system software. So for 20 hours, all the way until 4 p.m. the following day, no trains ran on the Shenyang system in Dalian. So you may be wondering how they solved their problem. They could have hired a crack computer whiz to build a new system based on software that's still supported in that 20 hours. Sorry, no. Here's what they did. Get this. They found a pirated version of the Flash software, a ghost version it was called, to get the trains back on track. So there you have it. Obsolescence problems require obsolete solutions. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend and quiz them. And today I'm talking with comedy magician and host of the Penguin Magic podcast and Twitch streamer, Eric Tate. You may recognize Eric from Ships of the Northern Fleet or Penn and Teller Fool Us. He is a buddy slash nemesis of mine here in Columbus. Eric Tate, good to have you on the podcast again, man. How have you been? I've been great. Uh, I am currently trapped under a tiny dog who's very sleepy. That sounds like a Sunday morning to me. Um, it's a great thing. That is the best way to start Sunday morning. I got up early this morning from my dogs. They they just woke me up and wanted to get the day going, and I don't mind it. I'm on my second cup of coffee, and you've been on the podcast before, but I think it's been a while, and I'm not sure uh, if you have been on the podcast. Have you been on since we renamed it to The Internet Says It's True, or were you back no. on Tell Me What to Google? I was back on Tell Me What to Google, oh, well, so I was, I was unaware of the brand shift. Welcome to this brand new, totally different, and not at all the same podcast with the same... Did you get, did you get sued by the alphabet? <laughs> I didn't get sued, uh, but what I did was uh, the problem with having Google in the name of your podcast is that it sucks for search engine optimization. Uh, so. Uh, so it was... Uh, it's a fight or flight response to the internet. It, yeah, it was. I'm not going to win that battle. So kind of, uh, you know, anything with Google, if you're searching Google for something with Google, you're not, it's not going to be found. And it made a huge difference, believe it or not. Today, uh, our listeners have just learned this, but I haven't talked to you about it. So for this first question, it'll be a surprise. Then after that, we'll get into some stuff that's new to the listeners and to us. For this first question, we are playing for an embarrassing Facebook photo post. So if you get it right, I have to post an embarrassing photo of myself on Facebook. If you miss it, you've got to post one of yourself. Do you accept these terms, Eric Tate? Yes, I do. Okay. I can't wait to see if you get this one. In 2021, Adobe finally canceled all support for Flash. And on January 12th, it was disabled globally. Which one of these consequences happened as a result? A. YouTube crashed. B, a train system stopped running in China, or C, Homestar Runner was canceled. I think it's the train in China. You think correctly, it is the train in China. Des I went again. Despite the warnings going back to 2017 that Adobe was going to cancel Flash uh, in Dalian, China, they didn't heed the warnings they kept all of their routing and scheduling and displays in adobe flash and uh adobe built a kill switch into that on the last couple builds so on january 12th the trains didn't run for 20 hours how do you run a train in a flash program because the only real experience i have with flash is like games 
Yeah. So games like, and was, animation. Was I, it like just like a weird escape room that they were using <laughs> to run the game, or like, or just like, did you have to burninate enough stuff as Trogdor in order to get the trains to run? On yeah, time? Trogdor the burninator was the was like the mascot of the train system, and they mm-hmm. woke up and he was just dead on the floor. And no, I think what what it was was the display, like the interface, the 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 user ah. interface where the displays of showing them what where trains were and and how to move the trains and all that was somehow built in flash uh and the funniest part of this story that we just learned was to solve the problem in those 20 hours they didn't rebuild the system they didn't hire some crack developers to to they just found an older ghost version of flash they found a pirated version of flash and to my knowledge are running that uh here today five months later that's hysterical. Yes, yes. So you got that right. I will post an embarrassing photo of myself on on Facebook, and I will go one step further, and I will post the words, roast me. One of my senior pictures where I am posing with my drum set, I, am, I was incredibly awkward. Uh, I, was, I was a late bloomer, incredibly awkward, all the way up into my 20s and, and arguably 30s. The, the scariest moment of my life was when... I was at the optometrist and they were like looking at my eyes because I had like a macular degeneration, like in the back of my eye. And, uh, and the optometrist is, uh, saying, uh, so, uh, he's trying to like make me feel better while he looks at it. And he's like, so what do you do for a living? And I was like, I'm a magician. And he goes, Oh, you're a magician. Do you know, Michael Kent? He's the reason I couldn't be in, ba- in the OSU band. <laughs> uh, and, th- and that's how, that's how I found out you were a drummer in, in college was uh, a very bitter optometrist that you, I guess, wouldn't let onto the drum line. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> that was someone, it, it was a very difficult thing as a drummer in the college marching band to have to like judge and make really important decisions about peers and people that I didn't know that well, but really wanted to do this thing. I was cut from the band when I was a freshman in college, and I remember that feeling, and it's, it's horrible, because the stuff, the little piddly stuff that it comes down to, because you've got 40 people trying out for three spots, is, it's so minuscule, and it's, it's, the, it's the difference between like, well, this person's foot was one inch over this line, and this person's foot wasn't, so they get to spend the next six months you know, getting all this free food and uniforms and trips and it it really it really stunk. But he he actually did uh, make the band, but just not when I was the squad leader. I just feel like everybody should be aware that your decisions in college could affect your friend's eyes in the future. And I think that's <laughs> a major takeaway. I just I felt like I was in the movie Saw and the only way out was to be like, I actually hate Michael Kent, too. Let's be friends. <laughs> So are we talking about Flash for the rest of the episode? Is that what's going on? All right. So for your Patreon viewers, since we, everyone who's listening to this podcast for free can't see the video, I'm flashing my dog's butt. Uh, <laughs> question two. For this question, if you get it wrong, you have to tell me about your most embarrassing gig as a magician. Okay. If you get it right, I'll tell you a story about my most embarrassing gig doing magic. Adobe Flash was known as what? Before it was purchased by Adobe in 2005. A. Macromedia Flash. B. Animator Bot Pro. C. 
Prodigy Flash? I think it's Macromedia. You think correctly. You're two for two. Uh, it was Macromedia that had Flash before that. Flash was created in 1995 as Future Splash Animator. Uh, and that was Flash 1.0, Future Splash Animator. Future Wave, along with Flash, were soon bought by Macromedia in 97 and then bought by Adobe in 2005. Uh, so it was Macromedia Flash up to version 8, and then it became Adobe Flash. And now yeah, it's I remember nothing. it being Macromedia. I was like, I was worried for a second that like the real answer was just like, like monkey butt computer uh, pretty or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Just some guy out of his garage. Yeah. What, uh, what was the first Flash animation that you remember? Largely what I remember was like the games, yeah. like the Flash games were like that. That was just like totally the thing when I was in like late high school, early college. Um, and there was like there was a huge website that had like collated all of them and you could go there and play them. Uh, that was how I got really into like tower defense games like back in the day. Question three. The running prize for question number three is always one of these stickers. It says, tell me what to Google. The previous name of the podcast. I have 200 of them and they mean nothing. In a similar instance, just over 20 years ago, there were three days, December 31st, January 1st, and January 2nd, in which United States spy satellites transmitted data that was unreadable. What was the reason for the error? A. The building that controlled the satellites was demolished. B. The contractor that managed the software was out on a holiday break. Or C, the Y2K bug. Ooh, um, I think the building was demolished. Unfortunately, Eric, it was the Y2K bug. That's impossible. I know. This was news to me. This was one of only a handful of actual problems that the Y2K bug caused. The Y2K bug, as many people know, it was a problem in which widespread panic set in that computer programs had abbreviated the dates using just two digits for the year and starting back over with the year 00 would crash the entire world. In reality, there were very few real-life impacts. Now, in this case, United States spy satellites, they stopped sending readable data, and it wasn't because of the Y2K bug, it was because of the patch that they had sent up the week okay. before to fix the Y2K bug. So it was a bad Y2K patch. Um, and, and many of the problems that, that we had with the Y2K were because of people messing with the software and doing patches and not because of the mm -hmm. bug itself. I sort of vaguely remember this now um, about something being like the satellite being unreadable because of the Y2K bug. I remember it was like widely reported at the time. Because so many people, myself included, did like Y2K tests like with our home computers and just like it was all fine. Like yeah. there was no issues. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of the issues that were reported, I found a list of like actual problems that happened because of Y2K. And a lot of them were like, well, some documents printed the wrong date. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it wasn't like it wasn't like taking down train systems. It was it was little things like this. But this is a serious issue. We caused it by our panic, not because mm -hmm. of the actual bug. So uh, I will not be giving you one of these stickers and I will be left with the remaining stack. Oh, OK. <laughs> I'm sort of like I'm a little glad that I have to like that. Like I got the two questions right. But then the one that would allow you to empty your house of useless merch is the one I got wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, 
I'm pretty <laughs> pleased with that outcome. <laughs> you don't you don't need my leftover crap. Uh, okay, fine. Well, you'll you'll hopefully be on the podcast again sometime soon, and we'll try again. So this is question four. We're playing for an audio Easter egg. This is where okay. if you get the question wrong, you have to say a hidden phrase of my choosing somewhere in the next episode of the Penguin Magic podcast. Okay. If you get it right, I will say the same phrase on next week's episode of this show. This week, okay. the phrase of my choosing is, quote, say what you will about Burglis. He would have never done that. This week was an interesting thing with David Berglis, the magician, because there was an article in the New York Times and I had lay people, non-magicians, sending me links to this interesting thing about this one particular trick that David Berglis was famous for, which is any yeah. card at any number. And, you know, it's been described as sort of the holy grail magic trick. And so that mixes this with a quote, one of my favorite quotes from The Office where Jim Halpert is talking about Michael Scott and said, say what you will about Michael Scott. He would have never done that, which, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. So we mix those two together for this one. We're going to do a question about China and it's true okay. or false, true or false. China owns every single giant Panda in the world. That is true. That, that the, the way that, they consider themselves to own all of the uh, pandas in the world and all of the pandas and zoos around the world are considered to be on loan and not actually like uh, they're it's on loan as a gift, but the, but China owns the panda. You are correct. I somehow knew you would know that one. Even pandas that were born in zoos outside of China are technically mm -hmm. on loan from China. And there are currently only about 1800 giant pandas in the wild right now and around 400 in captivity. Um, but in the past decade, the panda population has grown by 17%, which is fantastic. Yeah. Crazy. What if they're, they did that? What if we were just like, yeah, all dogs. If you have a dog, it's an American dog. No matter what. Uh, I, I mean, I'm just going to go on record as saying that all, all I own all of the dogs. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm, I'm terribly irresponsible, but I'm, I own all of the dogs. <laughs> they're all over the place. Uh, you know, I've got a couple of your dogs on loan. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to take care of them till they die. Uh, every basically. dog, every dog in the world is on loan from me. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Tate, owner of seven billion dogs. So you got that one right, which means I have to say in next week's episode, say what you will about Burglis. He would have never done that. Uh, I'm writing a magic book right now, and there's a footnote in that book in which I speculate uh, that the Burglis effect is just getting people to agree to to say that they saw an amazing trick and that the no, no actual trick actually occurred. And that he just, and he was like, if you just say this, we can do drugs together. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's how I, that's what I think the real effect is. It could be, you know, there was a time in which I, the, the market that I'm in performing in colleges was starting to become very competitive for me. And everyone wanted to know what everyone was doing in their shows. Now, mm -hmm. those of us who do a lot of colleges sort of know. We just know what each other, you know, we're familiar. We're all friends. But there yeah. was a time when it's like, if there was a photo of you on the internet doing something, people are like, oh, is he doing that trick with the thing, with the chairs? What is he doing? And so there was a time when that was a whole bit in my show. And I had this bright blue plastic bucket. And yeah. I would just have someone hold the bucket in the show on stage with me. And, to, and I, would, I would have everyone to, in the audience take a picture of it 
and post on social media, I can't believe about the thing with the bucket. Oh, and there was funny. there was no bucket trick. And I did that for like a few months. I was doing the, the bucket trick and there was no bucket trick. And I was doing it solely to mess with my magician friends on Facebook. And it was fantastic. It worked. Everyone was like, what's the thing with the bucket? <laughs> all right. Question five. This one is for all the marbles. If you get this wrong, I am banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again. What okay. was the last great book you read? It wasn't great, but the last book I read was... Uh... Uh, Ready Player Two. Ready Player Two. It was fine. It was not as it was. Uh, it was. I didn't enjoy it as much as Ready Player One. Uh, although it asks arguably deeper and more meaningful questions than Ready Player One. Also set in Columbus. Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean it's set in Columbus in the same way that Ready Player One is set in Columbus, where they're just like. Here's the name of a city for you to have context about where everything is. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for for taking some time out of your day to come on the podcast. And uh, you're going to stick around because as soon as we finish here, we are going to play the quiz game for a bonus episode, which okay. is uh, happening. That episode will be available to everyone on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. So you'll get a double dose of Eric Tate if you're a member over there. Um, thanks again for coming on this episode, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. That's all for this week. Thank you so much to Eric Tate for joining us, and to you for listening. Here's the voice of a 1990s Adobe Flash animation. Thank you for listening to The Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make this show possible. Sean Brown, Joshua Endress, Dallas Ray, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Jim and Joanne Martin, Mitch and Andrew Joseph Kemplin, and the show's official emperor, Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge, and all audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 USC Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Michael Kent.